it shows that there's no one-size-fits-all way to incorporate intermittent fasting into your lifestyle. And that is, I think, the opposite of everything we've tried before, where everybody tells you exactly how to do it. (laughs) This is not like that. Right. And that's what I love about it is that I love how you encourage people to really find the shoe that fits them best. Oh, I love that. You know, we're not all the same size. We don't have the same interests, the same lifestyles. And so I think that's what's so wonderful about intermittent fasting is there are all different types of shoes out there. This is Living Your Big Bold Life podcast, and I am your host, Bette Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids. I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big, bold life even mean? Living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly, the world needs you. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. You guys, today I'm doing something a little bit different. A lot of you ask about my health journey and specifically about my intermittent fasting journey. And I thought, What better way to share that with you than one of my prior interviews with the one and only Jen Stevens, New York Times bestseller of Fast Feast Repeat and the book Delay Don't Deny. She interviewed me on her podcast. Her podcast is called Intermittent Fasting Stories, and I was episode 40. And you know, the number 40 right now holds a lot of significance because... I am turning 40 on March 25th, and ironically, we're also coming up on the 40th episode. I hope you enjoy my interview with Jen, where I share with you about my intermittent fasting journey. Now, this episode was recorded before I started my podcast and my website. If you ever want to check out my website, it's just betlucas.com. On there are all the podcasts, blog articles, and more. Also, in this podcast, I share with you about my Facebook group, Motivate with My Betty Lou. I hope if you like this podcast that you'll join my Facebook group. It's free, open to everyone, and isn't just for moms. I promise. It is a group where we encourage each other on our own unique health journeys. We share tips, tricks, and all the things. So come join us. We have grown Motivate with My Betty Lou dramatically these past few years. When I recorded this episode with Jen, I believe I said we were around 300 members. Now we are almost 3,000. And so I cannot believe how much has changed. I also want to encourage you that if there's something on your heart, start taking steps to make it happen. You guys, this podcast, my website, all of these passions were on my heart. I did not know how to do it. I did not know where to begin, but I just started taking baby steps toward this goal. And some days it felt like it was never going to happen. 
Some days I thought, am I crazy? But I knew, I knew in my heart, this was what I was meant to start. And so fast forward, here we are. So don't think that just because you don't know how, you don't know where to begin, and it might really, really seem impossible, that if I can do it, you can do it. And that applies to your family, your career, your health journey. It's just one step at a time. You learn by doing. You improve by doing. I know you can do it. And that's what living your big, bold life is all about, listening to that voice on your heart and starting to take steps towards it, even if you don't completely know how. And I hope on this podcast, maybe I help you listen to that voice, but also share some tips on how, when, where, and what. Lastly, I want to thank my friend Jen for not only being willing to be my first guest on Living Your Big Bold Life podcast, but also for letting me share this episode with each one of you. What an amazing 40th birthday gift. Here's Jen. Today I'm here with Bet Lucas. Bet is from Gig Harbor, Washington, and she works full-time in the energy industry. Welcome, Bet. Hi, good afternoon, Jen. Well, I am so glad to have you here today and look forward to hearing your story. Well, I so enjoy your podcast and truly each and every one, I learn something new and feel like I get to know some of your people in your world and get to know some of your wisdom better. So I'm honored to be here. Well, thank you. Yeah, everyone really is so different. That is what I love about the podcast because it shows that there's no one-size-fits-all way to incorporate intermittent fasting into your lifestyle. And that is, I think, the opposite of everything we've tried before where everybody tells you exactly how to do it. (laughs) This is not like that. Right, right. And that's what I love about it is that I love how you encourage people to really find the shoe that fits them best. Oh, I love that. You know, we're not all the same size. We don't have the same interests, the same lifestyles. And so I think that's what's so wonderful about intermittent fasting is there are all different types of shoes out there. Yeah, I love that analogy. I'm a big fan of analogies in general. So that's a good one. So tell us how you started with intermittent fasting, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when that was. Sure. So I have five young children. They're all nine and under. And after I had had my fourth child, I went on a last minute vacation with a girlfriend and her husband and my husband came too. And you know, usually when you're going to go on vacation, you have time to kind of plan for it. Maybe you are watching your eating a little bit more or you're, you know, maybe you're hitting the gym a little bit extra. Anyways, I did not do that, but I showed up on this vacation and I have always a little bit different than some people who have shared. I've always had pretty good body image and almost maybe to the point of sometimes not realizing that I've gotten a little heavier. I think that I always, as having four of my five children are daughters, and I guess I've always wanted to show that, you know, no matter what size you are and no matter how God made you, you should be proud of that. And then I have a really, I have one of those husbands that is just very, I feel like has never mentioned when I've gained 10 pounds. So I think the combination of that, I went on this vacation and 
I had my husband, he took a picture of me on the beach. And I remember looking at this picture and going, oh my, I need to figure something out here. Like this is, it was a shocking moment because I really didn't think of myself as someone who had maybe gained some weight. I think so many of us can relate to that because I am the exact same way. You know, even when I weighed 210 pounds on my five foot five frame, it was a photo that I looked at and thought, oh my gosh, really? (laughs) Okay. You know, you see yourself in the mirror every day and it doesn't register. Totally. And and I had kind of come to this conclusion that this was just my new normal. You know, this was what a busy mom who works a lot and has young children, this is kind of where I need to accept I am. And then I looked at that photo and I'm like, oh no, something's something's got to change. And so my journey kind of started after my fourth child. I decided to do Whole30 and I had really good success on Whole30. For me, I had lost like about 20 to 25 pounds and I felt really good about that and kind of just for the first time in years, kind of felt like, oh, I figured something else out that worked for me. And then I got pregnant with my fifth and I felt really good going into that pregnancy. Like I felt more active. I just felt like, okay, I I know what kind of works. After I had my fifth, I went and tried the whole 30 again. And I I thought, okay, this worked before and it kind of worked but I kind of couldn't get past a certain point and I felt kind of stuck again. And kind of by accident, I started thinking like, what if I just start skipping dinner a few nights a week? Because I feel a lot better when I don't overeat at dinner. And I had heard about intermittent fasting, but I really didn't know that that's what I was kind of walking towards. But I started doing that and I noticed differences almost right away. Well, that's so interesting. So you started by skipping dinner. Yes. So opposite of most people I talk to. I love it though. (laughs) Yeah. It was very odd because I tell people and they're like, oh, well, I like to have dinner with my family. And I'm like, I totally get it. But I think it was so encouraging to me because by just skipping a few nights a week, I was seeing results. And, you know, I didn't have 100 pounds to lose, but I did have weight to lose. And and I just noticed immediately the energy that people talked about, the clarity. And so then I crossed paths with this gentleman and he works in the industry with me. And he had lost about 100 pounds through fasting. And he had done more long extended fasts because he had some pretty substantial weight to lose. But by hearing his story, it kind of motivated me that much more to learn about intermittent fasting. And I knew that it was working and that I liked it, but I didn't know you know, the science behind it. And so very similar, I probably sound like a broken record. I fell upon Dr. Fung and I am an audio learner. I love, I love to read, but I find I do really well listening 
to podcasts, listening to even videos. I'll just listen to them and maybe go for a run or a walk. And I can multitask. So if I'm doing the dishes or other things. So Dr. Fung really motivated me to start understanding, oh, well, I'm not crazy. This is why I'm feeling better. And then, you know, to be honest, before this interview, Jen, I was trying to figure out how did I fall upon you? And I actually went backwards. I found you through the podcast route, not through your book first. And I found you through this one, not the other one you do. And and I just started listening and I was, I just feel like I was so inspired and I, I had not been clean fasting. So I was a big proponent on, I would have a bulletproof, like a high fat coffee for breakfast. That was kind of my breakfast. And sometimes I would supplement, sometimes I wouldn't. Lunch was kind of my main meal. And then I'd cut myself off. I might have one snack between three and four, but I'd cut myself off after that time. Well, you kind of challenged my thought process because I had never heard about this whole, you know, clean fasting. And I then proceeded to listen to your audiobook first. And from that point forward, that's how I kind of became more in touch with this group and the Facebook group was through this podcast. Well, I'm so glad. That's why I wanted to do the podcast is because I wanted to reach people who love podcasts. You know, I don't know if you listen to my other podcast, the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, but I have admitted (laughs) publicly on that one that I am not a podcast listener myself. I don't listen to podcasts, which is hilarious. I have two podcasts and yet I don't listen to podcasts or follow any podcasts. (laughs) But I do love to talk to people. So there's that. (laughs) But I really hoped, I I thought that there would be interest in listening to real people. I know that when I was struggling with my weight for all those years, up until, you know, 2014, 2015, when, when I found intermittent fasting to be my solution, I loved to hear from real people more than anything. And so I thought, that's what I want to bring everybody I think that's what you are bringing. And because all of us are different, I feel like we all can learn and pull different pieces of wisdom from everybody's experience. So that's why it's been really helpful for me. Well, I am so glad to hear it. So you finally embraced the clean fast. And so how did that look different for you? So it has been really hard for me, to be honest, because one of the biggest things that kind of really kicked off my fasting was, you know, I'd do my high fat coffee for breakfast and then I'd have my big lunch. And so this whole thought of clean fasting kind of, I was like, well, this is going to just ruin my whole program. Like this isn't, this isn't how I do it, you know? So at first I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to go to black coffee in the morning and then I'll still do you know, my lunch and go that way. Well, then I I tried that for a while and I thought, you know, to be honest, Bet you can clean fast, but your bulletproof coffee just has to be in your eating window. And so I think that I am probably a little less rigid than some people. Like I am definitely one of those people that I try different things quite often. Like I will do a 20 and four. I will do a 16, eight. I will do, sometimes my eating window is the morning. Sometimes it's the evening. And 
that might, for some of your listeners, be a little bit too chaotic. But for me, that just works so much better because I don't feel like I'm locked into this one thing and I feel empowered. And I'm like, oh, well, today I know I have, I'm going out to dinner with my husband and my parents. And so I'm going to move my window to a late window. And so I may do more of a 20 and four and bet you're going to have to skip your bulletproof coffee and you're going to have to get through that. And then during the weekday, I might reverse that. Or maybe we had a, a wonderful weekend and on Monday, I may do a 24-hour fast just because I kind of feel like I need a reset. So I am quite active and I like to be active more because it's kind of, for me, the power plant theory that my body has more energy when I put more energy in. And so I work out not because I think it's going to help me lose all this weight. And that's been a changing mindset for me. Really, for me, working out is I need to have a lot of energy because I have five young children. I work full time. We live on 10 acres and have chickens and animals. And I like to be a high energy person. And so That also, I think, impacts the fact that I need to be flexible with my eating windows and my timing because maybe I worked out really hard. So maybe I moved my window to a morning window because... You just need it that day. Yes, exactly. And I think I want to really hit on something that you said, and that is the whole bulletproof coffee idea. Even though you accepted that, okay, bulletproof coffee is not part of fasting, that doesn't mean it can't be part of your life. And I want to reiterate that because you can have bulletproof coffee whenever you want to, as long as you're like, hey, I'm opening my window with this bulletproof coffee. You don't have to give it up. So if someone loves bulletproof coffee, have it. Just acknowledge, yep, opening my window with this coffee. And then there you go. And you were able to fit it in and still have it when you need it. And just counting that as part of your eating window. And some days you need an earlier window and some days it's later. And I think that's perfect. That's worked out really well for me. And I I guess that's who I want to encourage is some of the listeners who are really struggling with the whole late window. I also think that if whatever window they're working with now isn't working, that to try others, see what works for you. And some people will ask me, oh, I just don't get how you can do an early window because you know, don't you want to eat with your family? Don't you want to? And what I kind of explain is that we have so many family activities during the week that it's not hard a few nights a week because maybe one of those nights were, for example, we do swimming every Tuesday night. And after swimming, my kids are already in their pajamas. And on the way home, we do takeout Tuesday and they rotate choosing where we get something to go. So For me, that's a really easy night where it's not like I'm not being with my family or eating with my family. It's just they know, hey, they're having Jimmy John's tonight and I'm not. And one of the moms that I, I like to encourage other moms on their health journey. And so I just as a hobby started doing that through Facebook and I just post because I'm not coming from a place of nothing against anyone who is, but I'm not, you know, selling a powder. I'm not, you know, selling some elixir. I, I really can speak from a real place of weight loss and experience. And so I started trying to help some of the moms 
that I knew. And that has really helped me too to stay accountable is by motivating others. Can I just tell you, that is how I got started. I mean, I wasn't planning to write books and have podcasts and have Facebook groups with 200,000 members. I started my first group because I wanted a place for me and my friends to talk about fasting. <laughs> and it was so different. I remember I was like, what kind of deodorant do y'all use? Do you anybody have a... I mean, we were talking about just random things. It just It was me and, and like 30 people that I knew. And then suddenly strangers started to come in and I'm like, oh, how do I handle this? I probably shouldn't talk about deodorant anymore. I mean, <laughs> it was having to make the shift. And you can start with just wanting to encourage your friends... And then it kind of can grow from that. That is what has been really, I think, exciting for me is because I always knew I was a, the type of person who enjoys motivating people and enjoys kind of sharing my experience. And I'm pretty open with my imperfections and, you know, my stumbles. And so, yes, it kind of, that's where people kept saying, well, I want to talk to you more about this. And, and very similarly to your group, the group that I have is very broad. You know, we, it's not just about fasting. You know, I, I post exercises and recipes and, you know, it's definitely a little bit more broad, but it's been great for us within that to have that community. Would you like to share the name of your Facebook group? Yes. So I would love to. So the group is called Motivate with my Betty Lou, and it's B-E-T-T-Y-L-U. And we would love to have other members. There's about 300 of us, and it is men and women. It is mostly women who kind of search us out. And really, the goal of the group is to provide a platform for inspiration and motivation. We talk a lot about health challenges. We, you know, we'll post recipes, like I said, and I try to share, you know, workout ideas and, and my experience from a real place, from a place of someone who, you know, I don't have limitless time. None of us really do. And then my hope is I'm working right now on a website and kind of my hope is to, to kind of grow that platform of motivational videos and content to continue to inspire people on their journey. Because I really believe that I'm special because God made me to be who I am, but I'm, I don't believe that my journey is special. I just believe that we haven't done a good job of, of really just sharing our journey. And that's what I want to continue to do because I am an extrovert and I have that skill set. So I feel like God has given me that gift and it's, it's my turn to share what has worked for me because I know what it feels like to feel frustrated and stuck and it sucks. <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel that same exact way. You know, I am not special or fancy or a magical person. I'm just a few years ahead of people. That's it. You know, people who are just like me that are normal people. I am a normal person who figured this out, started a group with my friends and then over time, I've learned so much thanks to the group, you know, and having to answer questions in the podcasts. And, you know, I've learned a lot about the physiology, the science behind it. But that doesn't make me special. It just means that I'm, like I said, I'm ahead of you. And so I'm sharing my knowledge just like you're doing. You're sharing what you're learning. And that's how we all grow and change the world. Right. I think that's so empowering. And we're in such a time of 
easy access to information that I feel like we can't make excuses anymore that we, there's so much knowledge out there. So yes. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. And I guess that is what I hope to do. So I do some live videos. I do. And then other people post too and welcome that. So, and it really helps me, you know, because people will say, you know, I'm trying this new exercise or I went to vinyasa yoga. You guys should try it. And it helps keep me from being that person of, oh, I'm never going to do that. Or, oh, no, I can't do that. Because I feel like when you're not feeling as good in your health journey, you tend to say no more. And I catch myself saying yes a lot more now. Oh, I love that. Now, is your whole group made up of intermittent fasters, or is it really just a wide variety of people? So we don't say you have to intermittent fast to be in the group, but a lot of people within the group do intermittent fast and post regularly about it. And then we have people that who do like longer fasts. Some people are, you know, much more of a proponent of that. And I just encourage people to share what is working for them, what's not working for them, where are they stuck. And I share podcasts on there. So for example, I will share, let's say I listen to one of your episodes, I'll post it there and say, hey guys, here's the highlights that stood out to me. Take a listen. Because sometimes I think people just don't know where to even start. I think what I notice is some people will join the group and it'll take them a little while and then they'll say, okay, I'm ready to start fasting. And then they'll kind of ask the group for inspiration or really tangible, like, okay, how do I even start? Where do I even go? So it's been really fun to watch that. The other one that I, I do talk about is there's a book called Body Love by Kelly Levesque. It's another good one where I would say if someone's just trying to kind of start with their health journey, and yes, her book doesn't discuss fasting, but it discusses elongating the time between meals and reducing your glycogen stores and the concept of insulin resistance. And so I find that that is another good tool in your tool belt because we have to kind of unlearn what we've been told, which is eating all the time and eating six times a day. And I feel that for some people that may not be quite ready for intermittent fasting, even if I'm saying you really should try it, it's it's really a great way to have more energy and feel better. And like you say, with a, a side effect of, of weight loss at some point. But Kelly Levesque's book is a great way to just reemphasize that maybe the whole concept of eating all the time isn't really working for us and to challenge that thought process. All right. Well, I'm ordering the book right now. <laughs> Don't you love Amazon? Yes, it's great. And she's actually supposedly, I think, coming out with another book. And she's big into, she has like smoothie recipes and she has other really good recipes. I'm not as much of a smoothie girl. So for me, I don't use those recipes as much. But a lot of people within my group have really gained a lot of wisdom. And she talks about the concept of every meal being a fab four meal, being protein, fat, fiber, and greens, and kind of going back to just, you know, the real whole foods, which 
I think, you know, you talk about a lot and that's been a huge part of my journey is I just really focus on real whole food and the real fats, the real proteins. Like I think kind of, again, getting away from all the, uh, the non-fat stuff that we were told for years to eat. And I just laugh, laugh about it because, you know, I, I love butter. (laughs) I mean, I love it. And you know, I look back at a lot of my family. I, part of my family was kind of lived in the country. And, you know, none of them were overweight. They, they were eating, but they weren't really eating three big meals a day. And they were maybe missing a meal. And then they were eating butter and whole milk, you know, the real milk and raw milk sometimes. And they didn't have those issues. And, you know, you start just using your common sense and you go, gosh, or I like to tell the women in my group to really think how men are a lot of times. You know, men kind of are natural intermittent fasters. They don't even mean to be, but you know, it's very, more men than women, they'll skip breakfast or they skip a meal or they'll go a long time with with not eating and they kind of don't think twice about it. And then when they sit down to eat, they eat real, whole, you know, good food and probably a little bit larger quantities. And that's where my common sense goes to a lot where I'm like, gosh, and I look at the men that do that. A lot of them are doing pretty good, you know, and then here we are eating our 100 calorie snack packs and trying so hard and working out with a trainer and doing all these things. And, and we're so frustrated because we're like, geez, why can't the weight come off? Why can't the weight come off? Hey friends, it's Bet. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guest. Well, you know, I don't know. A lot of us have that good little girl problem where we were, you know, we're like, oh, well, if that's the rule, if you're supposed to eat breakfast and I'm going to be a good little girl and I'm, you know, you want to please, you want to follow the rules. And the rules have said, eat your breakfast, eat your snacks, keep your metabolism up. And I wonder how much of it, you know, falls into that. Cause I, you know, if you, I know, I don't want to be too stereotypical with men and women. We do have that book. What is it? Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. You know, that whole book about stereotypes with men and women. But, you know, I know that in my family, I'm the woman and I'm trying to please everyone. And then there's my husband and he's like, I don't care if you're pleased. (laughs) He doesn't give a crap. I mean, you know, (laughs) you know, so we're more likely to follow all those rules that were set for us, those diet rules. And, Whereas the, my husband's like, yeah, I'm not, no, I just, (laughs) that's great. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And that's why I think a lot of men, we get nervous too. We want to talk about it and then you get nervous that you're going to get judged. Like, what are they going to think? I'm starving myself. And, you know. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah, because we don't want to be judged negatively because we want to please them. You know, that's, that's just really a hard thing 
to fight against. You know, if you've spent your whole life, you know, we start that in school. I was a teacher for 28 years and you see that with so many of the little girls. No, you're so right. I I read the book by Rachel Hollis recently called Girls Stop Apologizing. It really rang true to me because I do try to please people and it's been something that slowly overcoming that, but now having kind of the science and being empowered, I'm less self-conscious about telling people about fasting. And in fact, I'm probably so passionate about it that You know, I was at a work lunch the other day and someone goes, Beth, I just don't know how you work in the industry you do where, and I'm in sales. So I'm meeting with customers a lot and going to dinners and drinking wine. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a very much a social setting a lot. And the gal was asking me, just how do you do it? And I said, well, you know, I I do eat fairly low carb and I do like to eat real whole foods and I do focus on that. But really when it comes down to it, the difference maker is intermittent fasting. And then the poor gal had to hear a a huge, you know, I just laid it out to her, probably kept talking forever about it. And I'm just not self-conscious anymore because I know that it works. I know how good I feel and others feel when they're doing it. Right. And, And the more confident you are about it. And the more you can just, you don't feel like you have to hide it or defend it. It just gets so much easier to live your life openly. When you have the social events, are there ever any times where you choose to not eat at a work event because you're fasting? Or do you just usually flex your window? The reason I ask is because this is a very real life situation that gives a lot of people angst. They don't know what to do. You know, we get a lot of questions about this. You know, I've got to go to a business breakfast and I don't normally eat breakfast. What do I do? Or, you know, I'm trying to just eat at dinner and I have to go to a business lunch. What do I do? So I would just like to hear, what do you do? What does Bet do? Yes, this is a very real issue because I feel there are so many people that their job is, I don't know if you would define it as social or we all have our our different explanation of it. But yes, I go out with customers and suppliers and people in the industry for lunches and dinners, or I have a lot of conferences. So for example, I just returned from a conference that if I was normally staying the whole time, it would be Monday through Thursday. And during the day, you might be meeting with clients. The next day, you might be at the golf tournament, which is more of a networking event. And then you would have a big group dinner that night. And you know, there's there's wine and large meals. And so my advice would be, I've tried a couple things and I try to kind of shift it based on the situation. But one, I will flex my window. So for example, yesterday, I knew that I was going to have lunch with clients yesterday. So even though on a Friday, a lot of times I will have a late window. Friday, yesterday, I opened my window earlier and I had an earlier window and probably had a little bit longer window than I normally would because I went out to lunch. I will also choose to schedule it on a day that I know I may be not doing a long fast. So for instance, I never do client lunches on Monday. Monday is my, my long fast day. It's a really good reset day for me. So I try to fast Sunday night to sometimes Tuesday morning or Sunday mid-afternoon to Monday night. I just try to do a longer one in there because naturally it feels like on the weekends, I just eat more than I do during the week. 
And then my other thing is, is sometimes I treat it like someone would treat a vacation. We're not huge travelers at this stage of our life with my oldest being nine. We actually love just being home. So sometimes I will treat a work conference like I'm treating when you talk about a cruise you go on or a family vacation. And I will say, you know what, up until that point, I'm going to try to be a little bit more conservative. Maybe I shorten my windows before. Maybe I try to work out a little bit extra up until then. And that really helps me. And then the last advice I would give is if you are meeting with clients, pick one meal that is your meal that you can indulge with them and then make the other ones coffee meetings. So instead of meeting someone for lunch, can that same person you meet with them for coffee at Starbucks and go get yourself a wonderful Americano and and make it feel special. And that's been another thing I've tried to incorporate. And I'm still not having, you know, not every situation one size fits all, but and then the other one that I struggle with because I love wine and <laughs> I love it. I wish I didn't uh Wine to me is like Lay's potato chips. You know, the line where it says you can't just eat one. I can't just drink one glass of wine. I'm very envious of those that can. So I either kind of have to say I am not having wine tonight or this is more of I'm indulging tonight. I'm choosing to do this and I'm going to have three glasses of wine, you know, and I I try to just reset after that or reset before that. So that, that would be my advice. Well, that's really good advice. There was a lot in there, (laughs) but it's all really good. I love the most the idea of saying, let's have a coffee meeting because that just takes the pressure off. It doesn't have to be a meal, even though maybe traditionally it is. And, you know, you never know. Maybe that other person's happy to not have to go eat a meal as well. Right. You know, I think that more and more people are fasting. And it's funny because when you bring it up, I'm not as intimidated, like I said, as I used to be. More and more people go, oh, you know, my daughter's doing that, or my son's doing that, or my husband lost 50 pounds doing that. So, yes. Yeah, it really is amazing how widespread it's becoming. Everywhere I go, of course, you know, I talk about it because I I just do. That's what I do. That is literally my job now is to talk about fasting. But people used to be like, what? That can't be good. But now they're like, they know about it. They've heard of it. I mean, they may have misconceptions. Like, yeah, I saw the guy on TV. He was saying how I should eat chia pudding and that's fasting. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's that's not really fasting. Eating is never fasting, but they've at least heard of it. And then you can talk about it and say, well, you know, guess what? You know, here's some, some things that you could look into or check this out. And then you point people in the, the right direction. And then it's really wonderful just to hear how widespread it is. Yeah. And can I say one other piece of advice that I that has also helped me? Like if they're going on a work trip, is that I know not everyone here follows you know, low carb or keto, which I think is great. I think everyone should do what what is working. But what I've noticed is on a work trip, maybe at those times, that's a really good time to say, I may go a little bit heavier on the protein, fat, a little lower carb during this work trip, because I know that I'm going to be maybe eating a little bit 
more extravagant meals. So, and then really relishing in that, that has helped me. So I'll say, you know, I'm going to have a really nice filet mignon with a vegetable instead of having a huge, you know, bowl of spaghetti. And when I work travel, I notice that my body is more sensitive to, you know, eating higher carb. And so one way to kind of, if you're entertaining clients, even if you don't normally go low carb, maybe during that time do so that when you come back, you're not feeling like, you know, I'll go draggy. Can I tell you something really funny though? This is, this is really funny. I actually kind of do that, but the opposite, because when I travel, like on my cruises, this is what's, this is why we're all so different. When I go on a cruise, I tend to eat vegetarian more often than not. I will not get the big steak. I will not get the big piece of meat. Instead, I go to the vegetarian options because they make me feel lighter and better. Isn't that funny? I think if you know, yeah, if you know what kind of makes it where you don't come back feeling like so bloated and so, because I don't know what it is about traveling no matter if you're indulging or not, there's something about it. Don't you just come back a little bit? You know, you just, you're not in your routines. And also it's even like just riding in the car all day, something about that recirculated air. I feel puffy when I get to my destination just from sitting. Maybe it's the sitting. I don't know. Instead, because I'm super fidgety and move around a lot. So maybe it's just the sitting that does it. But whatever it is, I know exactly what you mean. But yeah, I do the same thing. And when I'm some, I, I really am become very choosy and more likely to choose the vegetarian options because I don't feel as bloated and heavy and weighed down. And I think that's so important to know what does that to you, right? Right. And it's not the same thing. Because if I eat a whole bunch of meat, I start to feel heavy and weighed down. But that's just the way my body digests the food. And, you know, it's, it's, and I've only learned that over time. So, But we really are different. And it, it's you've just got to figure it out for your body. So I love that. Yeah, I have some, some of the guys in our group are almost like more the the carnivore eating style. And then I have some people that are more like vegan, vegetarian. And it's really interesting because, you know, kind of exactly the experience you and I just talked about. One will say, oh, this makes me feel this way. And then the other one will say, oh, well, this doesn't. I just think the key is knowing your body and knowing what makes you feel best and what works and trying out different things and what's getting you the results you need and not just weight loss results, but energy and stamina and all of those things. And believing the other person who tells you the opposite. You know, the person who's carnivore that tells me that they have never felt better or leaner or more energized than when they eat 100% meat. If someone tells me that, I believe them. Right. Oh, that's a really good point. I really like that because there's nothing worse to say, you know, this is how I feel and this is working for me. And then someone goes, oh, no way. That can't work. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and, you know, so much of it has to do with, you know, what enzymes our bodies have, what digestive enzymes we're high in, that sort of thing. You know, like apparently my body doesn't digest meat as well, but it's great with the plant foods versus, I mean, it's it's just really what your body has going on. And I know it can change over time. You know, if I started eating only meat, maybe my body would adjust. I would build up those enzymes. Maybe it wouldn't affect me that way, but I'm pretty happy, you know, <laughs> the way I'm eating now. So 
I don't want to change it. Yeah, I think that's great. We all should just learn to coexist in our different eating styles without feeling like the other people are wrong. I love that your group has a mix of people because it's just so important. Dietary dogma is really something that, you know, I want to spend my life fighting against. Just the idea that we all have to agree that, you know, fill in the blank is is the devil when it comes to food. I mean, I think we could all agree that processed foods are not doing anybody any favors. But, you know, people so often, you know, think processed food just means carbs, and it doesn't. You know, we've got processed meats. They're not the best. We've got processed fats. They're not the best. So, you know, whole foods are really, you know, you said you you did Whole30 for a while. Was that, were you doing it for elimination purposes or were you doing it just because it's whole foods and high quality foods? You know, when I did Whole30, I was at this stage where I just felt like I had tried doing a lot of things and nothing was working. And I remember meeting with a girlfriend and she had to give up dairy for a while. And I said, gosh, you've lost all this weight. Well, she had to give up dairy for a while. And I was like, well, that's the only thing I kind of haven't tried is, is, and so when I did Whole30, it forced me to not be able to put half and half in my coffee. And unlike a, a lot of people, I'm not as much of a sweet tooth gal. Now, I feel like I'm getting more of one as I get older, which I wish would not happen. But I've always been more of a salty, fat, savory all the way. But looking back, I wonder if limiting kind of that half and half out of my coffee. I was one of those people, Jen, that I think you've mentioned kind of where it's like you're sipping on a milkshake all day. Well, I didn't have the sugar portion, but if you told me, bet all you can have between now and 2 p.m. today, what would it be? And I'd be like, oh, I just have coffee and I don't even care if it's caffeinated. I just want coffee with my half and half or I want a latte or a flat white from Starbucks. Like I, I'd be totally happy with that. And I wonder looking back if my body, I don't think I have a dairy aversion or anything like that. I just think that I probably was doing that too much. I was leaning on that too much and I was never giving my body a break and my digestive system a break. And so looking back, I think that was the, that was the trigger that really worked for me for Whole30. Okay, I get it completely because you were no longer sipping on those hot milkshakes all the time. Exactly. And so you were not constantly keeping your insulin up with the constant influx of, of food. Right. And I'm not a processed food junkie. I'm not a... but you know, certain things creep in and I think Whole30 can be a nice reset. Now, that being said... I love dairy and I have dairy now. I just think I have to be really careful because I think for me, especially the lactose, the milk sugar dairy piece, I think I really love it. And I think I have to watch myself on it. So for me, I think I can just go a little bit too far and have not, maybe not have too much, but want it too often. And so I think Whole30 was a good. Well, I'm, I'm team dairy. I love dairy and it works well for me. <laughs> have you ever had your DNA analyzed with one of those companies? No. I, in fact, it's on my bucket list because I really want to see if maybe that's why I love it so much. <laughs> well, it, it showed up as I am highly unlikely to have trouble with dairy. And so I, I was like, well, there you go. But apparently like 75% of the world 
does have trouble with dairy. When we read a book that says no one should consume dairy, dairy is awful for people. It's not not good for people. Well, 75% of people really could could do to eliminate some dairy, you know, based on on that genetic information. But then there's the 25% of us that are okay. Yeah, and love it. I could just eat cheese all day and have and <laughs> I think that's why it forced my hand a little bit. And so when I went to go, you know, try it again, it did work a little bit, but I I couldn't get past a certain point. So, and it does get rid of, you know, there's no alcohol on it. There's no, you know, no sugar. So it does kind of force you back to a lot of real food. So I would say in a lot of ways, I try to eat when I'm being good, like Whole30 like, but with dairy now. And I try to just limit those other things. So I still have wine, but I try not to go overboard. I still have cheese, but I try not to go overboard because I think I'm one of those people that I just am not good at just having one of anything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the origin of Whole30 was to help you pinpoint food intolerances. And so you give it up for 30 days, then you gradually see what can work for you, right? So the the intent is not you never have those things again. It's figuring out if they work well for you. And by by resetting for those 30 days, then you can really, you kind of like intermittent fasting. Whole 30 and intermittent fasting have that in common. They point out what foods don't work well for you because after the period of resting during the fast, if you eat something, you're like, oh, that doesn't work for me. You just, you can tell. So how do you fit in intermittent fasting with all those kids, five kids? Do they know that you do it? Have you talked about it with them? Yeah, so they know that I've been on this health journey and that I've been helping other people with their health journey. And because they've watched me, like they see that I do live videos and they see my books everywhere and, you know, my notes. And my nine-year-old does notice. And I love the concept of talking to them about listening to their body. Because some people, I think that's a fear of theirs is how do they intermittent fast with girls around specifically or kids in general? Right. It's a huge, huge concern, especially moms of girls, because you don't want to send the wrong message. You want to teach your kids to have a healthy relationship with both their bodies and with food. And so I absolutely love that you said your focus is teaching them to listen to their bodies. And that's been something where I feel I've had to learn to do that better. And so I have figured out kind of an arsenal of things that I can talk to them about. And I also love encouraging them in terms of saying, well, that food I'm choosing to eat it, but it doesn't usually make me feel the best. And so I'll talk through, you know, let's say we have pizza. I decide I'm not having pizza or I'm fasting that night. And I say, well, I like pizza and sometimes I choose to have it. But I do notice that it doesn't make me feel the best. And then I try to give an example of a food that maybe makes me feel better. And I I realize I'm probably sounding like I'm talking to preschoolers and and little kids because that's who I am talking to. And my nine-year-old is the most aware of it. And so I just try to make sure she knows that I'm not starving myself, that I'm listening to my body, and that I want to be the best mom and wife and best at my job possible, that 
by taking care of my body and making these choices, this is allowing me to have that energy to do so. You know, I wish people had talked to us about listening to our bodies because it was the exact opposite. I remember being forced to sit at a table until I finished that plate of food. Did you ever have that growing up? I I did. I mean, I was a very picky eater and also very stubborn. So, and I know I said I was a pleaser, but not when it came to food. If some, you know, I wasn't going to eat it if I didn't want to. And I remember sitting there like for hours, you know, being told you cannot get up to eat that. I'm like, all right, then I guess I'll sit here till I die. Right. And that's one where I still... And I'd love people's advice or insight, you know, come find me and, and any thoughts you have. But one of the things that I still struggle with is with more that younger kids, because a lot of times they want to not eat and then they want to snack in an hour and trying to make sure that I'm not forcing them to eat. Cause like my mom never forced me to eat and always was like, okay, if you're full, that's good. But then I was probably, I was that child that liked to eat. Like I was a good eater. So now my nine-year-old, she's a really good eater. And so I don't struggle with that as much with her. My five-year-old is still at that age where She'll tell me she's full or she doesn't want to eat it or doesn't want to try it, but then in an hour wants to go raid the pantry of applesauce and, you know, and and so I feel like I'm still learning and will continue to probably be humbled on the best way to handle that because I don't want, we, we say, you know, no snacks after dinner and this is this is what we're having, but I also don't want to force them to eat if they're not hungry, right? It's it's hard. There's a book. I haven't read the book, but I love the title of it. I think it's French Kids Eat Everything or something. I haven't read it, like I said, but I've read the description of it or maybe the introduction on, you know, how you can see like the free preview of what they show you on Amazon. And it talks about how a woman, I guess, was married to a Frenchman, but she was American. And it was all the whole idea about how in America our kids are so picky, but in France they just eat <laughs> eat whatever. And why is that so? And it was, it was fascinating to think about how, you know, cultures handle introducing foods to kids differently and how, gosh, I sure did raise up my kids and allowed them to be very picky also. And it's just interesting to think about, you know, then there's those kids in the other countries eating roaches or whatever, what you know, worms, whatever the foods are that, that they eat. Maybe not roaches, but you know what I mean. You know, I think in, in some Asian countries, they have insects that they eat. And anyway, it's it's just interesting. Yeah, some would say, you know, that goes back to that we're letting our kids snack too much. You know, that they are, they're coming to a meal not as hungry as they really should be. And I would say, you know, sometimes snacking is kind of like the TV. It's a crutch because you're letting, you're, you're saying, okay, leave me alone. Here's a snack. Like if Spencer's traveling for work and I'm here by myself, with all the kids for dinner and I'm trying to get dinner ready and they're all like, mom, mom, mom. And I feel like the snacks will enter more and dinner comes and they're a lot pickier, I notice for me. But the other thing, Jen, that I'm, you know, I'm really worried about and and trying to figure out a way is just the amount of snacking that my kids are doing when they're not around me. The amount of donuts at school, cupcakes at school, everything's a celebration. That's a true, a true worry to have because, you know, I was in the school system for so long and snack time, I and mean, we, we don't just have, you know, the breakfast and the lunch, but we have the mid-morning snack and the afternoon snack and the congratulations, you read a book snack and everything. So it is a real struggle that, that we need to really focus on. Now we are almost out of time, which 
always is a surprise, but I, I could talk for literally hours. For the last minute or so, what advice would you give someone brand new to intermittent fasting who's just starting out? So my best advice is just to be patient with yourself and really listen to your body. But Read some of the science so that that gives you confidence about that intermittent fasting really does work. But really, we have done a poor job of not listening to our inner voice anymore. We're not in the quiet anymore. And I really believe that be patient, listen to your body, and be confident that it does work. I really believe that, like we've talked about, there. no matter what eating lifestyle you follow, outside of I really don't want someone eating Cheetos all the time, but no matter what lifestyle you follow, I think you can incorporate it. And that's what's so empowering. This is not you know, a quick 30-day cleanse. This really can be a lifestyle and I know that it is doable for really no matter where you're at in your journey. Well, I love that. And Beth, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And I know that listeners are going to get a whole lot out of this episode. Thank you, Jen. You have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you. You.